Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. We have so many guests on this show making a difference in our lives, making a difference all around the world with the expertise that they bring. And yet so many of you are reaching out to me saying, you want more. It's not enough, just what we're putting on these podcast episodes for you. And so I am here to extend a very warm welcome to you to our Difference Maker community, where you can join for as little as $5 a month to get all this extra content out the gate. You're going to get 30 plus minisodes of exclusive content not available for the regular podcast listeners and an exclusive minisode every month. And you'll get exclusive voting power to help us pick podcast topics and more. And that's with our changers tier. There's three different main tiers and then an extra uh, larger tier. But whatever tier that you join at, you will be included in this extra content. And I know that many of you are wanting to go a little bit deeper. And so even though it gets a little wild in there sometimes because of how deep we go, I want you to join us there. This extra content is very special. It means a great deal to me to be a part of this community with you. And I would love to just exchange uh, ideas or perspectives that you have around these different episodes. And that's the place where we do it. So please show up to our Difference Maker community. Give us $5 out of your pocket every month. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun in there because we do. And I would love for you to join us. So go to patreon.com slash a world of difference to join us there. So several of you out there in the World of Difference podcast listening community have been asking if there was a way you could help support our show financially. And for a long time, I've been putting each of you off and asking you to donate to different causes that I care about. And after attending the Podcast Movement Evolutions Conference, I became really aware of my responsibility to help people be more involved in the effort of this podcast and I'm trying to take it a little bit more seriously because lots of you have been asking. And so I, I felt like it was time to help us find ways to kind of go further for those of you who want to be a part of that. And so I know several of you have mentioned wanting to help support this podcast financially. And so I've set up a Patreon page. I know several of you are already Patreon supporters of other podcasts and are familiar with that. I myself am a Patreon supporter of the Junior Project. I know several of you give financially to donations of organizations that you care about. I'm the same way. I personally support Christians for Biblical Equality as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, lots of organizations that I care about. And so here as we're trying to make a difference together all around the world, I wanted to make sure each of you had an opportunity that wanted to be a part of helping take this podcast to the next level or even just to help support the efforts of um, what it takes to host this podcast, the technology involved, the subscription fees that are involved in the production of the whole process of it. But really, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for those of you who want to be a part. And Patreon is just one of those ways to be able to access exclusive content that we're going to have and different experiences. You can join for as little as $5 a month. I wanted to make it super easy because I myself have certain causes that I support at that level and ones that I support at a higher level, depending on uh, my level of involvement. And so you can join on Patreon for as little as $5 a month to support. Um, there's several different tiers I've put out 
out there because I know everybody has different levels of what you want to help support. And that is totally fine. That's what makes us all different. And that's what brings us all together from our different perspectives, walks of life, how much money we want to invest. And once again, no one has to invest any amount of money. This podcast is absolutely free and available to you wherever you listen. And I love that that's part of what it means to be in podcasting is that I can make this content available to everyone around the world, absolutely for free. But if you want to do help support what we do and help us to cover the cost of what we're doing here and also help us kind of reach more people to make a difference together when really what it means for us to make a difference is the more diversity we have around this table, the better we're all going to be at making a difference, making social impact all around the world. If you want to be involved in more of a $20 per month or higher on the different tiers, there's some extra special offers going on right now in April where you can get a custom sticker from the World of Difference podcast. But there's also when you make monthly commitments at different levels, there's differing levels of merch involved and different exclusive experiences that you get to be a part of. I wanted to make it as easy as possible for each of you that wants to be involved wherever you are. And once again, there is no obligation to give any money at all. I really love the fact that this is absolutely available for free. But if you want to help us go to the next level and that's something that is a way you want to be a part, then I wanted to give you the chance. So if you go to patreon.com slash a world of difference, you can find all the different tiers, the experiences that you can be involved in when you get to be a part of this Patreon community of difference makers. Once again, much love to all of you all around the world. And thank you for helping me make a difference together with each of you. This community means so much to me. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. Today on the show, we have Sean Palmer. I'm so excited to talk to Sean about this book because my husband came home from a retreat in Puerto Rico with Miss Yo Alliance with this newly released book by Sean Palmer in his hand called Speaking by the Numbers, Enneagram Wisdom for Teachers, Pastors, and Communicators. So we're going to talk to Sean about his book today. He's a teaching pastor at Ecclesia Houston. He is a speaker and an executive coach. He's also the author of Unarmed Empire, and he's a contributing writer to the Voice Bible. Sean has been on the Miss Yo Alliance board. He and his wife, Rochelle, live in Houston, Texas with their two daughters, and he is an Enneagram 3. I feel like that's important to say as we introduce him about this great book on the Enneagram. So welcome to today's show, Sean Palmer. Hello, Sean. A very warm welcome to the A World of Difference podcast today. Thanks for having me, Lori. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled because my husband, Jason, came back from Puerto Rico a few weeks ago with your book, in his hand, speaking by the numbers, which I have devoured at the coffee shop next to me where I can walk to from here. And as an Enneagram A, I don't know, you had me from the first word to the last word. I was completely riveted and I was jealous that my husband got to meet you in person and got to hear all your stories. And I also just reading about your experience of being a black man in America, I just was so curious to know more. So when IVP Uh Press reached out, I was like, Absolutely, yes. I would love to have Sean Palmer on the show. So my first question for you is, would love to know just about how you would describe your own background. I see. I saw that you were a three-wing four. <laughs> and what led you to write this book? <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in the church. And um, like one of those, I tell people this all the time, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, 
I don't know what day of the week I was born. This is probably not hard to find, but if whatever church gathering was meeting immediately after that, like my mother had me there. Right. So I was a child of the church, grew up in it, um, really nurtured and fed in that community. You know, something happened my the summer before my se- before my freshman year of college, and I thought about going into ministry. And it's kind of one of those deals I made with God where I said, okay, I'm going to go because I went to Abilene Christian University where you could do an undergraduate degree in ministry, a couple of different kinds. And I did mine in youth and family ministry because I wanted to be a youth minister because I'd been so impacted by the youth ministry that I'd grown up in. And I told God going into that year that I would think about it. And then I interned for a church that summer, the, so the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And my deal with God was that if I liked it and felt like I was good at it, then I would change my major, which I was, uh, I was a pre-law major at the time, history, American history. And um, I would change my major to ministry and then go into ministry. And I just absolutely loved it. Did that, went into ministry, but always had a lot of people who were very encouraging of me as a communicator. And they said, well, eventually one day you're going to be a preacher. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that because preachers are boring and no one ever cares about them um, because I was in the youth ministry world and no one ever is a good preacher, right? You either are going to be a good preacher or you were a good preacher. Like no one is ever in the sweet spot of, uh, but, um, but things kind of developed from there. And I ended up um, about, you know, a decade plus into my ministry, my vocational career, moving into ministry. And I really love the communicating. I love everything about secular communication, preaching, teaching, all of those things. And then about a decade ago, I discovered the Enneagram. I told people I have the best introduction to the Enneagram that anyone could possibly ever imagine. A friend of mine invited me to a retreat in Connecticut. And he said, I want you to come to this retreat um, with Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile. And I was like, I did not know who Suzanne Stabile was, but I'd known Ian for a while. I just finished his book, Jesus, My Father, the CIA, and Me, like maybe a year before. He and I were both speaking at an event in Malibu, California about six months before. And I thought, oh, that would be cool. And so we got there and the entire first day, the first full day was just Suzanne doing what I now know is her like Know Your Number workshop, where she just walks us through um, knowing your Enneagram number. And I was instantly captivated. I bought several books about the Enneagram, like I always do when there's a problem uh, or I'm interested in something, I just buy all the books I can find. I now know that there's an Enneagram explanation for why I do all that. Um, <laughs> I was already thinking were, of it. Like waiting on my, <laughs> they were waiting on my porch when I got home. And they do, like most of my books, like I'm already like five or six books deep at any given moment. So they just kind of sat around. But my oldest daughter, who was about seven or eight at the time, she's always been a very big reader and very precocious, picked up Richard Rohr's book, The Enneagram and Christian Perspective. And she said, Daddy, can I read this? And I was like, you know, sure. And we were at the time when you have a girl who reads a daughter who reads a lot, it's hard at that age to find stuff that's really appropriate for her to read. The kid stuff isn't challenging enough. Uh, the young adult stuff is a little bit too mature for her for that age. And I was like, okay, sure. And she came back a couple of days later and she goes, dad, I think I'm a one on the Enneagram. And she was interested in it. And so as I tell all parents, when your kids are interested in something, you need to get interested in that something. Yeah. So I really started doing a deep dive into the Enneagram. We took our church through it using some teaching aids and recordings and videos. 
and then I studied under Suzanne in one of her, uh, as part of one of her cohorts for a long time, and just this ever evolving, um, deepening inside of the Enneagram. And then one day, several years ago, Sunday morning, um, I was preaching at our church. I'm teaching pastor at Ecclesia Houston. So we have two campuses. I was at our downtown campus, which meant at the time that I was having to preach this one sermon four times over the weekend. Um, and Sunday after our nine o'clock gathering, which was would have been the second time I'd preached that same sermon, um, a woman in the community came up to me who is a friend of mine. She's Enneagram aware. She, like you, Lori, she's an eight on the Enneagram. And she says to me, uh, that's the most Enneagram three sermon I have ever heard. <laughs> uh, and I, I tell this story in the book because it was all about choices. And like, and, and um, I don't take back anything that I wrote uh, in that sermon or gave. And that uh, example of that sermon is actually in the book. Um, but it sparked this thing in me. It's like, what if after all of this time, 20 years in vocational ministry, that I have been communicating in a way that was very um, helpful to certain types of people, certain personality structures, but wasn't particularly helpful to other types of people. And the Enneagram gives me a tool, a lens to look through that helps me understand how people receive messages and then what they do with those out in the real world. And I wanted to marry these two passions of mine, which is public communication, because I, I not only preach in churches. Um, I work in diversity, equity, and inclusion for um, companies and cities, police chiefs, city managers. Um, um, I teach the Enneagram itself to people. I work as a coach for speakers and writers. And I thought, oh my God, the worst thing in the world that could possibly happen is that I've spent all of this time speaking to myself. But what if the Enneagram gave me a lens to look through that helped me communicate more fully to more people. So that is the long, the very long story of how I, um, how I got to where I am with the Enneagram and how speaking by the numbers came about. Well, it is just like no book I've ever read. I've read about Enneagram before and I've read books about speaking, but I am so glad that you wrote this book because as I read it, I had the same thought like, oh no, like I've been speaking as an eight to eights probably my whole life. <laughs> Right. And so I would love for you to walk us through a little bit, like how we can we as speakers take into account these nine numbers as we talk. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's the, the catch with that, Lori, is that it's not just for speakers, but it's for anyone who communicates. Right. So and anyone who communicates is absolutely everyone. So it's a mother to their children. It is a father to his children. It's for the boardroom. Uh, how do you communicate in a classroom? My wife is a fifth grade teacher. And what the feedback that I've gotten from teachers has been much more strong than even for people who are pastors. So people who communicate. And so once everyone knows their number, and I would really suggest that if you don't know the Enneagram at all, that you find um, a primer on the Enneagram, something like Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron's The Road Back to You. Um, or Riso and Hudson's The Big Book, the, the Complete Enneagram, I think it's called. And that'll, that'll walk you through the nine types. But within the nine types of the Enneagram, but the nine types are only the beginning because then we are all 
in different triads. And there are all of these different groupings of three within the Enneagram. And what I wanted to focus on are what has been in Enneagram wisdom for centuries called the centers of intelligence or intelligence centers. And those are thinking, feeling, and doing. And what the Enneagram has to teach us is that everyone thinks, everyone feels, and everyone does. This is the only way that you can make it through the day. Like it's the only way you can function <laughs> is that you think, you feel, you do. But depending on your number, somewhere along the line, you became over-reliant on one of those intelligence centers. You became over-reliant on thinking, over-reliant on feeling, or over-reliant on doing. And so we all come into the world with this three-legged stool of thinking, feeling, and doing. But what happens in childhood, or a very uh, particular vulnerable time in your life is one of those steps forward in the world and it gets slapped back. And that could be from your family of origin. It could be from a school setting and said, that doesn't work here. And so it decides I'm never going to do that again like that. So it recedes. And to compensate for that, the two other centers step forward and one of them becomes dominant. And you then over-rely, we all then over-rely on that intelligence center for the rest of our lives until something comes along and we decide, oh, this isn't working. So everything works until it doesn't, right? right. Um, and then we have to figure out like what, like what happened that I am over-reliant on one intelligence center. So what happens is you you meet a group of people, whether it's in a classroom, in a boardroom, in a church setting. And just to make the math easy, let's say a third of those people interpret the world, how they perceive the world is dominant in thinking, a third is dominant in doing, a third is dominant in feeling. Well, how do you talk to that community? And especially as a single person who yourself is dominant in one of those three centers of intelligence. And that's really the heart of the book is bringing balance to a communicator's world as a communicator, for a communicator to understand her audience, um, to speak to them, to help them engage the world in something that's really natural for them in ways that are really natural for them, but also to, um, to bring up the parts of them that are repressed. So, um, so one of those, the center in Enneagram world, the center that is dominant in you, we call your triad. So eights, nines, and ones are in a triad. Twos, threes, and fours are in a triad. Five, sixes, and sevens are in a triad. So eights, nines, and ones are in the gut or in the doing triad. That's what's dominant. Twos, threes, and fours are in the feeling triad. That's what's dominant. Uh, five, sixes, and sevens are in a thinking triad, which is dominant. But then your stance tells you which one of those centers of intelligence that you are repressed in. So um, your stance is what's repressed. So threes, um, <laughs> I'm very tired. I just came back from vacation. So sevens, threes, and eights <laughs> are in a grand right? Um, ones, twos, and sixes are in the dependent or the compliant stance. And fours, fives, and nines are in the withdrawing stance. And that is um, 
that signals to us what is repressed in us. So sevens, eights, and threes, your aggressive stance people, we are repressed in our feeling intelligence center. Ones, twos, and sixes are repressed in their thinking intelligence centers. And fours, fives, and nines are repressed in their doing. And so I just walk through the book. In the book, I just walk through what that might possibly look like dependent on your number. And then each chapter where I describe that is followed by a sample talk that I've given where I'm trying to aim at helping that intelligence center um, to strengthen and embolden and buoy itself a little bit. Yes, it was so helpful. I mean, I've, I've read Enneagram stuff before, but just thinking about it through the lens of communication and speaking was super helpful. Like you said, as a mother, I mean, especially like, so in our family, we have a two, a three, a four, a five, and then there's me, the eight. <laughs> so, um, but I thought about it. <laughs> um, I thought about it because of my five just graduated from high school. And like when I speak to him, like you have this whole, the, you kind of end with like a speech you gave to people starting college and you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, withdrawing stand and that whole thing. So, which is my five and I, that's kind of his age group. And so that was really helpful for me just as a mother, because you were like, they're not going to just make the bed just because you told them to. It's <laughs> like, what is going to motivate them? Right. And so it was super helpful for me as a mother to walk through all those triads and the what's repressed. I learned a lot about my four and you're a wing four. So I felt like you could really describe that. One of the, one of the parts I read it aloud to my husband in the coffee shop, we just cracked up because our four, but you say fours could see us as a vacant soul. (laughs) I was like, that is so true. Oh my goodness. So I'd love for you just to unpack, you know, just that particular example, because people who aren't fours, and I've had people tell me before that do the Enneagram, that fours might be one of the most misunderstood numbers in the evangelical church in particular, because they can hold pain and they can lament and they can feel it. And it makes a lot of evangelicals in particular very uncomfortable. So help us understand how fours could see us as we're speaking as a vacant soul. (laughs) Yeah. So the the daughter that I was telling you about, like when she proclaimed that she was a one, you know, she was eight years old. Uh, and this is also why I tell people not to miss t- to not to type their kids. But a couple of years ago, and she's done a lot of Enneagram work, uh, and she came maybe 18 months ago, and she says, like, I don't think that I'm a one anymore. And she walked us through, like, what was going on with her in school at the time, what was happening in her life. She goes, I think I'm a four. Um, and that made so much sense. Uh, so... What happens in the withdrawing stance, which, which fours are really emblematic of, is that their lives really do have to have great purpose. Like things have to have, to get them to do anything, to move, it has to have a purpose and a meaning, and it's got to be personal. So for fours, for instance, nothing can happen. A four will not move from one side of the couch to the other side of the couch unless they are physically forced to do so, or that you have attached some deeply personal meaning for them to do it. Because that's the way they, because they're a feeling triad. So they're taking everything in through their feelings. And every triad kind of works this way, where what is dominant in them is really focused outward. So in the feeling triad, that's twos. Their feelings are focused outward. They know what other people feel to uh, the detriment of their own feelings. 
And then in that same triad, you have fours. Um, well, let me back up. You have a threes and that in every triad, there's two sixes and nines. Their dominance goes in and out constantly. There's constant movement. Um, that's why they are what's called the anchor points of the Enneagram. When you look at the, when you look at the diagram, three sixes and nines are the anchor point. And then in every triad, there's a number where their dominant center is focused inward. And for fours, all of that feeling is focused inward. It's about authenticity. It's about realness. Like they care about other people's feelings, but they care so intensely about their own feelings and really think that the rest of the world should care about their own feelings at the same level that they care about their own feelings. <laughs> so um, when, you know, and they are fundamentally withdrawing. So when my daughter comes home from school, she just graduated as well. So she's off to college um, this fall. But it took us a long time to realize she comes home from school. She's been around people all day. She goes upstairs to her room and we might not see her for like 90 minutes. And it took a long time for us to understand, oh, there's nothing wrong. It's not just introversion, even though she's an introvert. Um, is that she needs that withdrawing to figure out how she feels about. She can't tell us when you have that very standard parent question, and uh, you might understand this with having a four child, that very standard family parent question of uh, like, how was your day? She can't tell us that when she gets in the car. Yeah. Like she has to get in the car, come home, reflect, think about how she feels about everything, process it. And then maybe if we're lucky, she can articulate how she felt about the day. And so if you come to that group of people and they feel like what you're communicating is inauthentic or thoughtless, you haven't put in time, you haven't considered their feelings or other people's feelings, their response to you is like, there is nothing, like this person is thimble deep and I should dismiss them. And that's the challenge wow. for communicators is to, say, is to be able to communicate to, um, and this is true for all folks in withdrawing stance, to communicate to them in a depth that makes you, them know that you took this seriously. This thing that you're asking them to take seriously, that you also took it seriously um, and that it has a great purpose before you just flippantly said something that occurred to you on the way home. I mean, on the way to the venue or you know, that you've actually communicated something that's really meaningful and purposeful for them. So helpful. So helpful because I don't think every number is considering that at all in that way. And so as a parent, as a person who speaks and has a podcast and uh, cares a lot about words and how I come across to people in order to communicate, right? We care about what we're saying. This is so, so helpful. You know, I, you also said this thing because I, you know, I mentioned I have a five and you talked and this is so, so true. I see this all the time with my five and you say fives will check our work around data, like whatever we say and our statistics and our, whenever we're speaking, they're going to be checking us. And so how should we approach this knowing we have fives listening to us? Yeah. So do your homework, right? So um, there is a great uh, tool that I learned when I was doing, I'm a terrible salesperson, but I put <laughs> myself through college doing, um, um, calling people and doing fundraising. And one of the things they teach you when you do fundraising 
is to anticipate objections. So you sit down and go like, if I were against this or I were hesitant, what are the questions that I would ask given my script or what I'm going to say, um, the point that I'm trying to make, what are the questions that I would ask? And as a communicator, that's really important. Before you get up in front of an audience, before you get in front of a class and say like, what would be the objections and what are the counter arguments to what I am proposing? Because the fives in your audience are going to have those questions. And if your proposition is easily defeated, then you will lose their respect. Um, if you don't sell the problem, which is not enough Christian communicators do this very well, uh, and sort of like sell the problem, what is the problem we are trying to fix? Hmm. Um, then fives look at that and go like, oh, that is flippant. They haven't done their homework. This is not a serious person. Um, I, If I can defeat your argument, and this is the first time that I've thought about this, which is what I tell my coaching clients all the time as communicators. Like when you get up to, especially in the churches, right? When you get up and preach, the first time anyone has thought about this is when you brought it up. So... Um, if there, if your philosophical theological argument is easily defeated, fives are going to say this person hasn't done their homework. They will, they will, they will find other communities of faith that they think are more serious about whether it's the text or the world. Um, Saul Stein has a great book called Stein on Writing. He was a great, um, he was a great editor for a long time. And he talks in the first couple of chapters about first sentences. And he uses these two or three examples about talking about the homeless population in New York City. Um, so many communicators, and it's a great way to communicate, would get up and say, if they were talking about homelessness in their city, they would talk about one or two people's stories. Um, but a five is saying, how many people are homeless in like Houston where I live? How many in this zip code? Um, what is a realistic approach that we get to, because they're going to ask all of your questions. And that's what I, the point I was trying to make about fives in the book, um, because they will withdraw. They will say like, I'm, I'm out because this is flippant. Nancy Duarte's book, uh, data story is really helpful for communicators because it helps you take data and storify that in a way that speaks to multiple. She doesn't know that she's doing this, but it helps you speak to multiple intelligence centers. So you're not just giving straight numbers. So people should pick that, that book if they are the kind of folks who deal with a lot of data. But worse than that, though, are probably um, communicators who are fives, who, thinks that who think that everybody wants to hear 30 minutes of data. And because that's- <laughs> I've heard those. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's <laughs> so, so true. Wow, that's very, very helpful. You know, as I was reading just through your book and you talk about the dominant and the repressed areas, and I think, you know, just that awareness alone is super helpful. You know, I was thinking through how I've approached things for so many years and, you know, like uh, I'm not trying to make people often feel something, but I'm thinking if that's your dominant position in the room, they're like, why are we not feeling anything from her, you know? And so you right. talk about like, asking these three questions, like, what do you want them to feel and think and do and like kind of working through all of those. So let's just take for, we'll just take an example that might just be helpful for our listeners. So 
And as an eight, I don't like to be vulnerable, but the Enneagram mm-hmm. tells me to be so. <laughs> so right. here, I'll just use my number and in, in full, you know, Enneagram style to try to be healthy. So for example, if I'm an eight and I'm speaking to a crowd, what are my strengths and what are my blind spots as an eight? Yeah. So this is, and so there's a little bit of nuance here because I work with a lot of women speakers and I will okay. tell you this about my women speaking clients. They by far are better writers, better communicators, and better thinkers than my men. They are Hmm. far more prepared than my male clients when they stand up in front of an audience, but they also have some challenges that my male clients don't have, and they try to overcompensate for them because they know what what those challenges are. So here is the challenge for an eight as a communicator. An eight wants people to go and do something. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And there are plenty of times where that's the absolute appropriate thing. I I tell, you know, our founding pastor here at Ecclesia is an eight. And the impact that our community has been able to have over the 20 plus years that we have been a church um, would have been far less if he had not been an eight, it is like we, uh, we say around staff, Chris doesn't give, um, Chris doesn't give suggestions. He gives instructions, right? Like these are, <laughs> and, and so, uh, when, when he says go here on this date to do that, like, that's what you're, that's what you're, that's what you're supposed to do. And most eights in my life are like that. But not everyone functions that way. And the problem, the blind spot becomes that we don't need to do something about everything all the time. Or we need to take a beat, really process, strategize. This is when you bring in your fives. This is when you bring in your nines. You bring in your threes to this conversation and strategize because we can't. Eights want to jump out of the plane and build the parachute on the way down. (laughs) So true. Um, And that is... (laughs) And that will exhaust a group of people, mm-hmm. right? So you, you just absolutely can't do it. Where, where a five would like, let's have five committees and go through five different processes. Let's come to a conclusion in six months or eight months. So we make sure that we've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. But by that point, we're done. And people who are ready to move and do something have moved on to someplace else. Uh, an eight wants to say, what are the one, two things we need to be concerned about today? And then we'll worry about the one or two things we need to be concerned about tomorrow and just sort of move on. And that really exhausts people, but also because they're feeling repressed and three sevens and eights share this. We have the tendency to run over people. So because yeah. we are focused on the outcome or the goal, and it's not until later, until someone tells us or we have a revelation that we realize this thing that we did that seemed very innocuous, not a big deal at all. We were just trying to get this thing done. Isn't that why we're here anyway? That someone's really hurt by it. So I'll give you an example because I'm a three and just like the sevens and eights, I'm an aggressive stance person, which means I'm feeling repressed. I had a staff member tell me about three months ago who a staff member I really like a lot um, told me like I had hurt her feelings multiple times. And for the life of me, Lori, I can't think of any time that I've been around this person enough to hurt her feeling. Right. Wow. Um, like it's just not on my, it's not on my radar at all, but because I'm feeling repressed, I acknowledge the fact that that possibly could have happened. 
Like, I'm not going to sit, I'm not going to be defensive and say, well, when? Tell me about that. You got your feelings hurt by that, which is what I want to do because mm. people like me, feelings aren't facts. We've got goals to get to. Like, leave your feelings at home. This is work. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I'm not your mama. I'm not here for your feelings. Like, let's get something done. Right. Um, and so those become the blind spots or you're doing things and you don't know when to stop doing them because you've already, you've already accomplished the thing that needed to be accomplished or you're always looking out for the next thing to do. And so you're manufacturing drama, um, trying to feed off energy. Um, eights in particular, anger to them is energy. And they don't understand that anger for the rest of us is not energy. Like that, that anger makes the rest of us move away from you where anger for eights and ones in particular helps them engage the world and move towards something. Um, they don't, so the blind spot is there that they don't realize how, how off-putting anger is to everyone else. So lots of times eights get their way in the world. They get their way in relationships but they're actually costing the relationship because people are saying like, I don't want to be around them. I don't want to work with them. I want to limit my time with them because they get angry. And then we all acquiesce to what they want just so they're not angry anymore because the thing that they want is not as important to us as it seems to be to them. And so we'll just move on with our lives. So those are some things like for eights I, I would want to be mindful of. So helpful. I feel very exposed <laughs> in a very good way, in a very terrible way. Um, yeah. And I, I'm so interested in what you said too about women speakers. I mean, here's my take on my limited time living in the United States of America, because I've really lived in Asia and, Venice, and uh, South America more. But it seems as though the one emotion men are allowed to show is anger, whereas women mm. are allowed to show many more opportunities you know, options and angry is actually one of the least we're allowed to share. And so I wonder the nuance there of an eight as a woman versus a man, because I, the eight men pastors I've known, it seems like there's a lot of those around. Um, yeah. They do so, seem to so easily express anger and, and motivate people with it. But as an eight woman, I don't think I've had that luxury as much, but um, nor, the, nor do oh, I really want it. Not. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of my books, 40 Days on Being a Three, is all for Enneagram Threes, but Sandra Van Ospel, Opstel wrote 40 Days Being an Eight, and she's a female eight. And I would say for every female eight, they should get that because she is a lot of aggressive energy. And I'm so glad that IVP um, had a female write the eight book because you expect eight energy from a man, but women get called all sorts of names when they have the same energy. And uh, I know a number of female eights who who aren't stereotypical in that at all. But you're a hundred percent right, at least in my experience with um, working with female eights, is that the thing that you can't be like you're a nasty woman, you're mean, you don't know your place, you're a witch with a capital B. All of that right. happens right. for for women who are eights. Um, it's slowly changing, not nearly quickly enough. Uh, but that's one of the definite, that's definitely one of the straits that, that female speakers have to navigate. Um, but for all speakers, um, audiences love passion. None of them like anger. And so if that is your go-to emotion, then that becomes really problematic. So one of the things I talk about in the book is the importance of 
um, spiritual direction, having a spiritual director as a communicator and um, therapy, because to have people to guide you into wholeness as a communicator helps you not over rely on the thing that's become dominant in your life. And that's important for all of us, regardless of your number. Because if you over rely on yeah. feelings, like that's just as bad. If you over rely on thinking, that's just as bad. So helpful. And I love that part of the book too, because I would totally echo what you're saying. I've so benefited from my current spiritual director situation as well as others I've had in the past, my therapist currently, I, my life coach. I've had more than one life coaches at seasons where they just focused on Enneagram particular ones and then just in general. Um, I think we all benefit from just a village to help us as we speak and as we walk through life. And um, also just my family, you know, I have a relationship with my family where we challenge each other and call each other out on things. Cause it's just, <laughs> none of us has it all figured out. Thank you so much for your conversation today, for helping us understand who we are as communicators and why we might think we're communicating well, but we actually might not be. And so I hope everybody reaches out and gets your book. I will link it in the show notes and I'd love for you to tell us just where people can find you so they can have you come speak. Yeah, so the easiest place to find me right now is seanisaacpalmer.com. Um, and I'll be teaching a class with my friend Suzanne Dion, who is from the Narrative Enneagram tradition for uh, um, for the Shift Network. And there'll be information about that on the website as well. But if you go to seanisaacpalmer.com, you'll find um, how to have me speak. If you're interested in coaching, if you're interested in speaking coaching or Enneagram coaching, our course this summer um, on Enneagram and relationships is going to be really great. She is a fascinating woman. Um, and so that's also where you'll find Facebook links and Instagram and all of the places that you follow on Twitter. And thank you so much, Lori, for having me. This has been so much fun to talk with you. Oh, it's been an honor and a privilege. And I want to read more of your books now because that one just, I'm hooked now. So all Sean Palmer books will be read at some point. <laughs> Thank you for this and for our conversation. And God bless you as you go forward, helping people to learn how to communicate better. We really appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that great? Wow. Um, just the whole concept of putting the Enneagram in our brains as we speak and communicate Speaking by the Numbers, Enneagram Wisdom for Teachers, Pastors, and Communicators is the title of Sean Palmer's book. I highly encourage you to get it. It was a wonderful read. I learned so much. It's still in process for me that I want to try to implement into the way that I communicate, which is really hard because the oxygen you breathe is kind of your own personality for your whole life, right? And so thinking about speaking to all the different numbers besides your own, you know, eight other numbers out there besides who you are is, it's kind of mind blowing and difficult, but it, it's such a great challenge that I want to take on because words matter. I care deeply about words. Words have affected me throughout my life. They've either encouraged me to go on a certain path or they have been used to abuse me or they've been used to help me understand something I didn't understand. They've caused me to empathize with someone's story, especially a survivor of abuse. Or it's caused me to just question and be challenged and be curious. Words are so important and how we communicate really, really matters. 
And as he said, to think as we communicate about thoughts and feelings and, you know, just the different stances that people have in terms of what's their dominant stance. It's it's so mind-blowing to think about a room full of people and how everybody's processing those words in such different ways, isn't it? And oh, no wonder we miscommunicate so often and no wonder certain preachers are really popular with certain personality types and others prefer different speakers or different preachers or vote for different politicians when they vote based on how that made them feel or what it made them think or what it made them want to do, right? And so it is so important as communicators to just understand we all have a lens. We do. My lens, full disclosure, is Enneagram 8, Wing 7. And I really benefit from friends and family with different personality types as they help me see and feel and think and do differently. And I hope that this podcast, as we all come together to make a difference, we can really celebrate those differences because they are beautiful and wonderful and God-given and for a purpose. And as we look at creation and human beings and all the creation around us, we can learn so much about God through it. So in learning about our different personality types, I really, truly feel like we can understand God better and also understand how to make a difference together better because it really does, as he said, take a team of people who help us see our blind spots that we would constantly be open to how this might come across differently to someone else and to give everyone in our lives the freedom to share how they felt or what they thought or what they wanted to do as a result of being told something or hearing particular words. Words are powerful. Words are either truthful or they're not. And in addition to that, they have a lot of nuance of personality. And so, yeah, here I am on this podcast, just reaching out to all of you and saying, please get this book because I find it very, very helpful. I want you to help me as I walk alongside each of you to help understand how people think and feel and do things differently. And um, we'll talk a little bit about it in our Facebook group if you'd like to join us. It's a fun little group. And I would love for you to interact around this episode with Sean Palmer. And we're going to link all his information in the show notes. He's a speaker that's going to be doing a book tour about his book and so speaking widely about it. So as you read it, I encourage you to hear him speak in other places and also um, to just follow him on social media as he continues to learn more. That's how books like this work is people will be interacting with it with their own Enneagram types and wings and and talking about how that comes across. And um, as we get better and help each other learn to be better speakers and better communicators, this is a way we can really sharpen one another with with a lot of kindness. It's clarity is kindness. And um, and so, yeah, helping us find that clarity with each other and, and to really make a difference together. I am so grateful for you as a community, for you listening to this podcast, for you interacting with us on our Facebook group, for those of you who support us through Patreon. All those links are in the notes if you want to be more involved with this show and help us continue to make a difference all around the world together. And as you are wherever you are in the world today, I just want to say I am so grateful for you and your Enneagram type and who you are and the way you communicate. Thank you for helping us get better together. Bye.
What a raw and honest conversation. It was such an honor to sit there and just be able to listen and learn and begin to understand more about the journey that Paul has walked through and how, you know, there's just some really complicated challenges around some of the issues in the United States and around the world. I, I just love how he's written about this in a book in such a creative way. Please pick up Slave No More, Conquering the Master Within. Paul just does a really good job of explaining um, through story uh, in, a, in a very unique way. I think you'll really enjoy the book. And it's exciting to think about somebody like Paul who's just investing in students there in Richmond, Virginia, the way he blogs and helps out fathers to be better fathers, and the way he... I mean, I got to see him interact uh, over Zoom with his little ones, and they're just precious. And to think about somebody like him who's just bringing more goodness into the world and, and trying to do it just one one student at a time, one child at a time, one father at a time. Um, that's the kind of work that it takes, uh, making a difference out there. I know because I'm watching a lot of you out there in the world of Difference podcast community as you're joining in on our Facebook group as well. And I encourage each of you, if you've not had a chance to join, to hop on over to our Facebook group. Um, we have some fun, interesting conversations, and it's just going to increase as we try to dive into more of the nuance around some of our episodes. I'd love to have you stop by and give your two cents worth and help us understand how you're making a difference, how you're doing that in community, wherever you are, because it really does take joining uh, shoulder to shoulder with others out there to, to make a difference in the ways that we want to see and and a longing to see in the parts of our world that really desperately need people to make a difference like you out there. So I enjoy watching what you're doing as you post things on social media, as you tell me in person, as you email me. Um, if you want to email us at A World of Difference, um, we have an email address, A World of Difference, and it's D I F F E R E N T S like different people <laughs> at gmail.com. Also, once again, we're on Facebook and um, Instagram. At Instagram, we're at a world of There are times in our life where we just feel stuck or we feel like we want to go to that next level or we feel like we need advice from someone who's walked a little further down the road than we have. Maybe you want to start a podcast and you don't know how and you don't even understand what that process would look like. Maybe you're thinking of starting a nonprofit or a business or you're in a career change or you're just trying to figure out how to live a life where you work and take care of your family and want to have a more purpose-driven life. Maybe you're in your job and you want to find out how to be a more mission-driven individual or to have more purpose in your life and the work that you do. And you realize you just need some coaching. Well, I would love to be a coach for you. I would love to help walk through what it means to have a purpose, what it means to know your strengths, what it means to just take an assessment of your current situation and help you work through some of the roadblocks and obstacles that you're facing. And so if that sounds interesting to you or it would be helpful, I would love to be helpful to you in any way I could based on my own life journey, the things that I've learned, the knowledge that I've gained, and some of the tools that I can offer to you to help you get unstuck and help you get to that next level of where you want to be as a more purpose-driven, a more mission-driven individual, wherever you find yourself in the world. So if that's helpful to you and it would be uh, something you you're interested in, I'd love to do a free session with you just to see if it would be a good fit. You can go to lauriadamsbrown.com slash coaching for more information. As we're finishing this episode, if you're thinking, 
I really wish I could learn more or go a little bit deeper. Well, that's what our Difference Maker community is for. I would love to welcome you in to join the rest of us there. Once again, um, it's only $5 a month to join the price of a latte at your local coffee shop. You can join at our Changers tier. Difference Makers is a community that really means so much to me. It's very special because each time I have a guest on the show, I record something um, outside of what we give to just the regular podcast audience where we go a little bit deeper and then I post those video episodes in this community and we can discuss them. But also at the very uh, beginning tier, which is our changers tier of this community, you'll get exclusive voting power and help pick podcast topics that give us you know, more of what we want from your perspective. You'll have access to exclusive um, 30 plus mini-sodes that aren't out there for the general public, and you'll get every month an exclusive monthly bonus mini-sode. At our Groundbreakers level, which is $10 a month, you can join and get all of that, but also priority access to submit questions to the podcast, and you'll get an additional two exclusive monthly bonus mini-sodes. And at our Trailblazers tier, which is $15 a month, the price of three lattes a month, um, you can get all of that plus also three exclusive monthly bonus minisodes um, and a patron shout out. So I would love for you to join us at any of those tiers. Um, it'll help you come into this community, be in the midst of all of us, other difference makers, and we'd love to hear your perspective. I certainly would. It's a place to engage more with me and the audience around what you like, what you're resonating with, and once again, go deeper with each of our guests. So please join us in this membership community. I would love to hear your perspective and love to share this extra content with you. So show up at patreon.com slash a world of difference.